Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd. Thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. Jeremiah chapter 40, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah when he took him bound in chains along with all the captives of Jerusalem and Judah who were being exiled to Babylon. The captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God pronounced disaster against this place. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he has said, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice. This thing has come upon you. Now, behold, I release you today from the chains on your hands. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will look after you well. But if it seems wrong to you to come to me to Babylon, do not come. See, the whole land is before you. Go wherever you think it good and right to do. If you remain, then return to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon appointed governor of the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people, or go wherever you think it right to go. So the captain of the guard gave him an allowance of food and a present, and let him go. And the backstory to this, obviously, is the Babylonians had come to Israel again, and they had basically destroyed Jerusalem because of the rebellion of the Jews. But what's noteworthy about this is several things. There is a pagan captain, Nebuzaradan. He's one of the men in the field. He is in charge of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of God, and he was a good prophet, and he was a persecuted prophet by his own people, like many of the prophets of Israel. And when we look at it, we see that there is this strange favor granted to Jeremiah by these conquering enemies. And it's interesting because why are they treating Jeremiah so well? That's the first thing. The second thing is they seem to have an understanding of why all of this has happened. And the captain says to Jeremiah, it's because you have sinned. Not Jeremiah personally, but the Israelites. So you have in this time of history a mighty empire, the Babylonian Empire, and the Babylonian king is King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a ruthless king. He was a violent king. He would crush rebellion. And when he came to Israel earlier and took captives among the people, he let things kind of just sit like it is. And he goes, all right, look, I'm taking these people. I'm in charge. You are now my vassal. And the Israelites basically said, no, we're not. And God raised up Jeremiah during this time to say, look, tell the Israelites they need to submit to the king of Babylon. Otherwise, I'm going to bring my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. It's interesting, God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant against this people, and I'm going to take them out of their land. So Jeremiah, that's his calling. God raised him up, and if you look at chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So God, he's preparing Jeremiah before he's even conceived. And then Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And Jeremiah throughout his ministry, would be persecuted left and right, thrown in prison, released from prison, thrown back in prison, delivered from prison by somebody else. And 
And then, okay, everything's good, right? We're all good. You guys understand that, that the Lord is speaking through me, that I'm not just harassing you. And they're like, yeah, we're good, Jeremiah. And then, thus says the Lord. And Jeremiah would say something else about God. And okay, back to prison you go, because they didn't want to hear it. They did not want to hear that God was going to judge them. What they wanted to hear was God was going to deliver them. God was going to make them happy. God was going to take care of them. And God had promised to do that back in Leviticus 26. In Leviticus chapter 26, this is Moses writing. This is part of the law. So this is the law that Israel received right when they came out of Egypt. When they were delivered, immediately God says, Okay, you guys have been in slavery for many years. I'm going to give you a law. I'm going to tell you how to live and how to be blessed. We do have the Ten Commandments, which is kind of the capstone of the law, where it says, Thou shalt not, or literally in the original language, it says, for example, no adultery. Rather than thou shalt not commit adultery, it just says, no adultery, no murder, that kind of thing. It's pretty direct. So we often look at it and say, well, it's oppressive, man. You know, well, no, it's not oppressive. It's laws to allow people to be free. And in Leviticus 26, verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, verse 4, then I will give you rains in your season and the land shall yield its increase. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land. And it goes down this list. Verse 6, I will give peace in the land. Verse 9, I will turn you and make you fruitful. Verse 10, you shall eat the old store kept long. Verse 11, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. On and on and on. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Those are good things. Those are blessings. But then he says, verse 14, if you will not listen to me, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all of my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. And he goes down this whole list, much longer than the list of blessings. I will visit you with panic and with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. You shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. On and on and on and on and on. Those who hate you shall rule over you. So he gives the Israelites this law and says, look, it is important that you listen to me. It is important that you allow my statutes to be honored in your society. This is how you will be free. Well, the history of the Jewish nation in the Old Testament is this going back and forth from obedience to disobedience. You know, obedience brings freedom, disobedience brings judgment, and back and forth. And ultimately, God says, enough. I'm taking you captive. You will no longer dwell in the land because of your disobedience. And at this point, Israel was very disobedient, but God is still in control. He's still working behind the scenes. You see, the first wave when Nebuchadnezzar came, he took a bunch of captives. One of those captives was a young man named Daniel. And Daniel wrote a book in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. And in that book, you see his interaction with King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar became a believer. He has a testimony. Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all the people, nations, language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. That's Nebuchadnezzar's statement that he came to a knowledge of God. And how did he do that? Because there was a young man named Daniel, a teenager that was brought into his court that God had raised up for the occasion, hundreds of miles away from Israel. Here's this young man who is in this mighty empire ministering to the mighty king. And the king comes around and begins to understand 
the Most High God, that's the God of Israel, is the God of gods. And read through the book of Daniel, see the, the interaction there, and you'll see it. But Nebuchadnezzar was being briefed by Daniel on the things of God. And no doubt Nebuchadnezzar learned about this man in Jerusalem named Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah had written the prophecies, and Daniel had a copy of those. We'll see later on that Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah. And he learned that the 70 years that were appointed for God's exile were coming to a close. So that makes sense when you go back into the book of Jeremiah and you see why he was treated favorably, because God's favor was upon him. But Jeremiah's ministry was not a good ministry. He suffered so much every day. People despised him because he's saying, look, you guys got to surrender to the enemy. You just need to do what God says. Don't puff up your chest in pride and say, we're not going to surrender. You need to surrender or God's going to take you out. Well, when God took him out, then they all figured out, yeah, Jeremiah's probably right. So in our lives, we need to understand God is at work. God is in control. He's working behind the scenes for his plan to come to pass. It will. His plan will come about for this planet, just like it did for the Israelites. So for you and I, we're part of that plan. Even as insignificant as we may seem, there is something in our lives that God is working together for good for his kingdom. So stay encouraged. Don't let this world get you down. Don't get all weirded out about current events. Everything's going crazy. Don't get sucked into every conspiracy that's being thrown out there because who's in control? God is in control and he loves you. Don't forget that. And he's got a plan that includes you. And that's cool. So stay focused on Jesus and be blessed. Thank you.